welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 119 for Saturday the 22nd of September 2018. And for those of you who like to monitor my tea drinking, I can reveal that on this occasion I'm not actually drinking tea today, but the first thing I intend to do after I finish recording this is to make a cup of tea. Uh, I'm in between tea shifts at the moment, you'll be pleased to hear. Anyhow, uh, it's amazing how much news you could have when you're not actually writing a book. I've got lots of things to tell you this week, and I'm not actually writing. So let me start, and uh, we'll start to move through this list, but all sorts of things going on this week. So the first big news that I've got to give you is that I have just got another book bub. Before you throw things at your phone or have a listen, listen to this podcast, uh, you know, it's complete fluke on my part. I will talk you through it. Um, but uh, I can't believe that, to be honest with you. I've just got uh, a, my first ever sci-fi bookbub ad, and I'm as surprised as you are by that. So this is now my third bookbub. I had the one in October last year for Don't Tell Meg. I've just had one for Don't Tell Meg again, the second one for Don't Tell Meg. You have to wait six months in between your bookbub promos. And then this is my uh, first ever sci-fi bookbub. I've never succeeded. Now, I'm just getting my featured deals information out before, and I'll tell you how many times I've submitted. So the, the grid has been knocked back one, two, three, four, five. So this is the sixth time of trying for the grid that I've got this. And the secret bunker has been knocked back one, two, three, four times. So sixth time of trying for the grid. Now I should also say, if I just give you the dates on these, the first time I tried on the grid was, now hang on, these are American dates, so I have to work out what the month is. The, the first date was, um, the, it was October 2016 was the first time I tried. And then I didn't try again until November 2017. I tried again in 2017 for the grid. And then I didn't start, I didn't try again. So these are great gaps between these tries. And then I've tried in, on the sixth month. Do you know I'm getting confused with these American dates. I do find them confusing. When did I try for the grid? On the, what's the sixth month? January, March, April, May, June. The June 2018. I also tried in August 2018. And then I finally got one in this month, September 2018. So... I've batched my applications this year, but to be honest with you, they were pretty scattergun in previous years. So uh, let me tell you how I got that. I don't really know, but let me tell you what I did, what I changed. Um, and, and, you know, for those of you who follow every minutiae with this, there may be a little nugget in there that's useful to you. So I did make changes. Um because there's no point just submitting the same thing over and over again. i got to tell you, I think I said this on last week's diary, didn't I, that because that book was published in 2015, I had very little hope that it would get um, accepted. So I'm very surprised, I'm surprised as you are, that a 2015 book has got submitted. But I guess the point of that is, is that a book is an asset, and you can make money from it at any time. Just because I wrote it three years ago, 
doesn't mean you see it's a completely new book to people who've never seen it before it doesn't matter what the date is and when I wrote it if you've never read that book before it's a completely new book as far as you're concerned and this is the great thing about writing books is they don't go stale like a loaf of bread they remain evergreen so here are the changes I made um the the only thing I think there's one thing that's kind of changed I can't believe this is what gets you a book bub I read a tip once about it's worth just putting a comment in the little comment section when you su submit to a book bub. It's worth putting something in there. And I know that when Adam Nichols got his first book bub, I think he put something quite funny in there, you know, in desperation. So I I always put a comment in. And my comment this time was as simple as this. Last, the comment last time was something like, in my thrillers, we've shifted, was it 35,000 free copies? I'd really love to give this a try for my sci-fi. I think it was something like that. And then I've got the precise words I put this time. Um, so I put in the comment section, would love to get my first book bub on this trilogy. It would really give it the rocket power it needs. Smiley face. That's it. Okay, just a kind of chit-chat kind of comment. Um, so the other thing that's changed since I last submitted it is that I... Um, have got two free booksy promos, which I'll talk to you about in a moment or two. I, I forgot to tell you about those last week. I've scheduled two free, free booksy promos. And um, b before I even submitted for this BookBub ad, I put two, um, you know, the normal ads that you put on BookBub, not the, not the I forgot what they're called, the, not the, the big promo, um, but they're just the regular display ads. I, I've, I've um, scheduled two of those for when I have my BookBub Sorry, my free booksy advert. Sorry, I'm getting the, all the titles mixed up again, aren't I? Um, so um, this is not a featured deal. So a featured deal is what I've just got, the one that you pay $300, 300 quid for. These are BookBub ads. And I had set up and scheduled for for next week two grid BookBub ads because I've never tried BookBub ads on my sci-fi before. And as I said to you, uh, before the summer even began, the whole point of all this marketing that I'm doing is that I have enough books to make a reasonable amount of money on it. And if I never wrote another book again, I should have enough books to make a reasonable level of income on. So my problem is in is in my promotion of them. That's that's what I'm doing wrong. Um, and you know, the, uh, again, the, the grid has good reviews and it just doesn't have enough of them. So it's got 33, I think, in the States, which is actually all right, actually. And uh, the average is, is, I think it's over 4.5 is the average. It looks like five stars when you look at it, but it's four point something average in the States. And then I've only got four reviews in, in the UK. And um, again, the UK shows five stars on that book. So people um, people like the grid one. It's a good rattling, good kind of read, and but my problem again with that series is, is I I haven't had the read throughs. I've got all these people saying that it's a good book, but then it doesn't in the way that with Don't Tell Meg they've gone through the trilogy, and I have good read through. I don't seem to have as good read through on the grids two and three. There's no reason why you wouldn't read through. If you like the grid one, it's just I say more, it's more of the same. It isn't just the same. Obviously the story builds and the tension increases and all of that sort of stuff. But it's more of the same. If you like the grid one, there's no reason why you wouldn't like the grid two. There's just nothing different about the style of it. So that's something I'm gonna to need to work on with that. But back to the differences, I, I I've scheduled in Bookbub ads two adverts, which I haven't even started paying for yet. They're scheduled to start, I think it is Thursday next week, whenever my my free books is. So the only other thing that I changed, and this is going to be a little bit controversial, um, I changed the blurb on the grid. Now, 
I need to tell you about this, and I, I'm sort of almost reticent to tell you about it, but, but I am going to tell you about it. A while ago, I got new blurbs of the Grid One and the Secret Bunker One, and they were um, Brian Cohen blurbs. I used uh, Brian's service for them. So prior to that, I'd written the blurbs, and, and like you, no doubt, you know, I listened to all the great stuff that Brian provides on this, and I paid for two blurbs. And I have to admit that when I paid for the blurbs, there's no, no, nothing wrong with the blurbs, nothing wrong with the service or any of that, I felt that the the blurbs would have been better written by me because I know the book well. So if there was an issue with those blurbs, I just felt that I wrote the book, I know the book well, so the blurbs didn't feel like they really knew the book well. And clearly, for a blurb writing service, you cannot read every single book. It would be ridiculous. You have to work for the information provided. So I'd left those blurbs there because, you know, I... I totally accept Brian knows his stuff with this and I I only just recently listened to his last webinar and made notes and thought you know this is really good stuff all these principles you're teaching here are brilliant um and I've also bought his book it's just to my right over here it's in my list of uh, books to read um when I, I'm working through the Chris Foxes at the moment but I uh, Brian's is the next book to read because I need to learn the principles of writing blurbs but I got to tell you that I felt when I was rewriting that blurb when I revisited it I thought you know I I, I should have written this blurb. That's my feeling. I, I don't want to outsource my blurb writing. I don't think I write a terrible blurb. Um, you know, the Don't Tell Meg blurbs are all mine and they and they clearly sell the books. But um, that might not be the problem. The other thing I did with the blurb is I shortened the blurb. So I had Brian's blurb at the top, only on book one, not on books two and three. So I had Brian's blurb there. And again, I might have just shot myself in the foot there because I've told you that I don't get the read-through of books two and three. So it might be... It might be that the problem is my blurb and not the blurb that, uh, that Brian wrote for me. The problem might be the next thing I'm going to tell you, which is I shortened the blurb. So when I when I, I put Brian's blurb on there, then I had uh, some reader testimonials, you know, some re review quotes. And then I had uh, a Q&A with the author. And again, I haven't touched this blurb for ages. Um, it's th Those science fiction books are just sat there. I haven't done anything with them or changed anything or reviewed them, anything like that. So this is entirely my fault. Um, but it's possible that the blurb was just too long because what I did with BookBub, all I've done is I've removed the author Q&A that I'd put on there. And I'd, I'd done that essentially for keywords. And I think I'd seen some advice, it must be three years ago now, I'm embarrassed to say that, it must be three years ago now, uh, that, that, that maybe recommended that. And uh, so I removed the author Q&A. You've just got a couple of brief, um, you know, testimonials there, people reviewing the book. And then you've got the blurb, which is pretty short and sharp. That's all I changed in between this submission to BookBub and the last submission to BookBub. No cover changes or anything like that. Again, those uh, covers were professionally made. They're not Paul's DIY covers. So the covers ought to have been okay, and, and, and they are. Though I have considered replacing them. I'll tell you more about that later because I'm reading Chris Fox's books and I've been considering that more this week. So that's the only changes I made to get that book bub. So those of you who watch this stuff really closely, um, you know, I don't know. I was surprised as you. I was fully expecting a knockback on that book because of its age, because of its age, basically. But there we go. We've got a book bub. So, so now, and again, you're going to throw things at, at whatever listening device you listen to this on and say, for God's sake, Paul, you've got a book bub. Shut up and get on with it. Uh, but of course, now I'm I, I've paid the three hundred pounds for the for the bookbub promo, and now I'm thinking, ooh, am I going to make my money back? 
<laughs> I'm going through all the all the usual self doubts and things. I know, I know, I know. I was I always wanted to kick myself yesterday uh, for the same thing, but. Um, you know, am I going to make my money back on this? Am I going to be in profit? And, you know, this is the guy. I know how frustrated you must feel listening to this, uh, screaming at me because you know I've just had a a five thousand pound month from the last book bump. Now I don't think this is going to be a five thousand pound month. I don't, I don't think sci-fi is uh, on on book bump is is probably quite as active. So I'm expecting less income, but again. I mean, it'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be absolutely amazing to have two, you know, 5,000 months in a row. That would be amazing. Uh, but I'm not expecting it. And that's not me being false modest or, you know, any of that. I, I think that sci-fi is probably less active on BookBub and, and less active as a genre. I may be completely wrong. We're going to find out, aren't we? Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you all about it, of course. Um, so I don't think we'll make that level of income on it. I know I've got a problem with read-throughs on the books. I know that people love the grid one from the feedback, um, but they don't... This is another thing why I didn't expect to get it, by the way, is that I had listed the grid one on Kobo and uh, all the other channels. I'd listed it through Draft the Digital a couple of years ago, and then I'd put it in Amazon exclusive, and I'd just you know, let it gather dust like that. Um, but when I've... Now I've... Um, it's wide. It's listed wide. The grid, the grid trilogy. Everything's everything I've got is wide at the moment. And um, when I relisted it, it, brought back the old page that I had and and the old review. There's a review. I think it's on Kobo. You know, from Mister or Mrs. Grumpy. Well, actually, I can't remember. Somebody, I think, I think they rate it okay, but they say all oh, the grids are crap. Title. That's their input. Their creative input to a review. Um, and obviously, in the context, the grid makes sense because that's what it is. Um, but but that was the review, and you know when you get those crappy reviews, and you say, "Oh, you know, really? Could we not have had somebody who liked it putting the first review on?" You know, it's like the first. It's like holding a party, and the first person who arrives at the party is the person no one wants to talk to. It's it's like that when you get a, your first review is bad, and you think, you know, really, couldn't we have just had a positive review on there just to get the ball rolling? And um, so, so that, so I've got, I can't remember which channel it's on, but it's like, you know, oh, thanks for that review. It's one of those reviews. And that's another reason why I thought it might get knocked back because it was listed wide. I thought they might have a look around and say, well, actually, nothing has happened, Paul, on any other channel but Amazon. But no, you know, BookBub make the rules. They decide what goes. Thank God they've said yes to this. So, and, and once I know it's through once, I know I can get it back in again, like I did with Don't Tell Meg. So I'm taking that as a positive um, signal. Anyhow, so um, where was I with this? Let's go back to my notes. I've got, I have got notes. I know I go all over the place, but I have got notes. There is some structure to this. Um, so um, I, I, I've got to make some changes. And my concern, uh, yeah, it's not false modesty about not feeling that I might make a decent amount of income on this. You know, clearly I've got some issues with read-through on this book. Why do people say they love... I mean, I think the typical response is, really enjoyed this book, can't wait to read the next ones. And yet in the reviews... Of the sales, there's no evidence that they did go on to read the next ones. Now, I am going to do a Paul makeover with this. I'm, you know, I, if you again, those of you who are very attentive to these diaries will know that the grid was written some time ago. It was written, um, I think it might have just been when I started writing in Scrivener, uh, but I think the files I think are in Word still for the grid. I think they're still Word files, and um, so I, I'm as you know, I'm in the process of changing all these things at the moment. 
Um, so the grid, I will need to move it. I'll need to move the vellum file over, and I'll need to make sure I got all my kind of ninja promo techniques in um, for this for this uh, promotion. So I've just had to reshuffle the order of things I'm doing at the moment to make sure that the grid is hyper ready to to really squeeze out the best of this launch. And I'll be trailing ahead. You know, I need to trail ahead effectively to book two and book three. And then at the end of book three, I'll trail ahead to the secret bunker and phase six because all my sci-fis are linked now. But in theory, you see, my sci-fi should work better in theory than my thrillers because the whole universe, all seven books now in my sci-fi universe are linked. Um, there's um, And I've got kind of another, I've got two more uh, series that I can tack on to the core events that happen in the secret bunker. So I've got a space opera, um, you know, it's got a military sci-fi um, that, that that's tacked onto it. And I've also got a time travel story that's tacked onto it. So I, I've got at least another two trilogies are based around that secret bunker universe before that whole story is told. Um, you know, so potentially... I never really... The thing is, is when I wrote The Grid of the Secret Bunker, I knew nothing about marketing. I just knew, just knew nothing about it. I was pretty well publishing the books and just doing my best with them. And, and, and I'd moved on to... By the time I kind of knew anything about this lark, I, I moved into thrillers. And the thrillers sold really well. And I don't know whether that's because the thrillers were better or because I was better and knew more. I'm not... You know, it's chicken and egg. I don't know which came first. Um, but because the, the the thrillers, the Don't Tell Megs, got the traction, that's where I was making the money, that's taken my attention. And the whole point of what I've been doing over summer is to say, hang on, you know, I need to look at all the back catalogue. I need to be working on everything here and trying to make money from everything, not just Don't Tell Meg. And, and that's what I'm focusing on. Hence, I've been pushing it on BookBub. Now we've got this promo. Now I have to super focus on the grid to make sure it works. So changes I'm going to make is I'm going to, I've got to review the minor categories. So I'm currently, and to be honest, I think they're probably the right categories. I mean, dystopian, sci-fi, and apocalyptic. I think those are the right categories for me. But I'm going to have a little dig and just see if there are any minor sci-fi characters that I ought to be in. Um, colonization is not quite right. It is probably for Secret Bunker, but it's not right for the grid. Uh, tech, perhaps it is quite techy because the grid is a is the grid effectively is the holodeck in Star Trek. It's based on the holodeck. That's what the grid is. It's a huge, massive kind of warehouse-like area um, that artificially renders environments and, and, and makes the people who are in them think that they're real so they can touch or they have the sensation of touch even though it's artificially created and effectively this is where justice is, is done it's not like the holodeck which is used for leisure purposes on star trek uh, this is where justice is seen to be done and it's all kind of televised so it's a bit like the holodeck it's a bit like running man it's a bit like hunger games got a bit of all those things thrown into it uh, hence the grid when you look at it, when it's not activated, it's just a line. It's just a series of lines in this vast warehouse. Um, but when it's activated, clearly it renders environments. Um, this is all sci-fi stuff, anyhow. Um, so it's so tech would probably apply to it. Um, Alien Invasion doesn't apply to it, but it does apply to the later books in the Grid trilogy. So I'm going to look at the minor categories and see if I can put in any minor categories because I've said with the thrillers before, if you can squeeze it into a minor category then it's easier to get a number one tag. And I missed that trick last time with the thrillers. I may have got a number one tag, but I think the minor categories probably came too late in the promo. Uh, and I, I didn't see it because I'm not really on top of these things. I got to need to refresh and reconsider all the blurbs. 
I need to look at my pricing structure. So I'm probably going to go book one free, book two one ninety nine, book three might be two or three ninety nine. It's quite a thick book that I think it's about eighty. It's over eighty thousand words, and I hadn't intended it to be over eighty thousand words, but that's how it ended up. Um, so I was writing two fifty thousand words when I wrote that book, but I think they're all actually substantially longer than sixty thousand words. And certainly, book three is quite a weighty. It's quite a thick book, so it's certainly over eighty thousand words. I'm pretty sure of that. So that the price needs to reflect that is what I'm saying. Uh, two ninety nine might not be the right price for it. It might need to be three ninety nine. And then I, I need to make sure that in my front and back matter, everything, absolutely everything, drives readers through from book one to other sci-fi options, because that's how I make my money on a book bub. I make no money being in a book bub. You don't make money being in a book bub. You make your money in the way that you can direct readers to your other books, so they go on to buy. That's how you make your money in a book bub. I also want to run some ads or promos around the book to keep it high in the charts. Um, but again, I may have shot myself in the foot a little bit, and I'll talk to you about this next because I got a couple of free Booksy promos scheduled as well, which aren't actually timed around this. They were done separately because I was thinking, oh, I won't get a BookBub for ages now. Let's get some free Booksy's doing. And I have got BookBub, and, and, and now the timing's all wrong. But let me go into that in a moment or two. And then the, finest, the final thing is with this book, new, this new BookBub is that the, um, the biggest challenge is going to be read-through. That's the thing I got to crack with this series, and that's what I'm going to be working on. Um, the book bub is, is on the 10th of October, by the way. So I got a couple of weeks to work on that. That's going to be my number one focus is getting that series so that it is book bub friendly and I can squeeze as much cash out of it as I possibly can. I don't think it's going to be 5,000 this month, but if it's two or three, that would be amazing to have a, you know, a 5,000 month and a, then a, a two or three thousand month that would that would be really really good for cash flow. Uh, that's basically a couple of edits in the pot, you know, or some or a lot of new covers in the pot. So, um, you know, it's it, it's all good cash flowing income. Okay, so that's the book bub. As ever, I will keep you in touch with that. And just to kind of give you an overview with my uh, sort of ongoing income after the book bub, it's going to be another good month this month. Um, I think it was it was about you know it was five thousand or thereabouts. Um, because it's because I went wide, it's difficult for me to give you a final number because um, you know I get I've got numbers in in five different portals in dollars and I'm converting the dollars and so the dollar conversion can change from day to day. Um, so I don't really know what I'm going to get until the money's in the pot. And then there's this system with Draft the Digital where Draft the Digital uh, sort of gives you your royalties and then it gives you your confirmed royalties. So, you know, as a rough estimation, it's about it's it's what it was the same. It's the same as, as I generated with Amazon. But I can't be totally sure of final income until that money's actually in pounds and in my bank account. So there will be some leeway there. And and so, again, you know, as happened last time, my ongoing income is up as a result of being in a book bub. Um, it's con considerably up. And so, um, again, it, it's just it's such a moving target. It's so difficult to tell you what it is. But, you know, I can tell you it's it's much above what it would normally be. It's not 5,000. It's probably going to be closer to 2,000. Uh, this month so I think last time it was 5,000 the first month then it was something like I got two two months at about 2,000 and then it was a thousand a month so, so something like that I think it was it was rough that's roughly an indicator I, I think that this will peter out sooner though that's my feeling that being wide I think it's going to peter out sooner than the Amazon one did because I don't have the reads keeping me up I, the reads really kept me high last time um, in Amazon and it kept the income higher as well 
Okay, let's move on to free books. I completely forgot to tell you this last week, but um, thinking that, okay, that's Don't Tell Meg, that's me got a promo on Don't Tell Meg. I can't apply for another one for six months uh, for a book bub. I'm not promoting the standalones because I don't believe I'll make my money on standalones. I'm only going to promote series on BookBub. And so I turned to my, um, well, I've turned to my sci-fis, but I didn't expect my sci-fis to get a yes. I thought I'd just keep trying the sci-fis. They keep knocking me back and then they may just get fed up with me eventually and let me have one. So it is a surprise to me having got this BookBub on a sci-fi. It really is a surprise to me. Um, So thinking that I wouldn't get a book bub on my sci-fis, I went ahead and I thought, well, let's get some free boxes going. Let's, let's promote the free books, boxes. So I have, I booked a free booksy promotion for the grid one and I booked a free booksy promotion for don't tell Meg. And both of those promotions are going to take place this coming Thursday, Thursday, the 27th of September. So they're frankly just efforts to get a bit more traffic over both the books. That's that's all they'll do. Free books is nowhere near as powerful as a book bub, but they do create a flurry of sales. They've done well for me in the past. So I didn't find the last free booksy I did on Don't Tell Meg particularly effective, but it was mixed up with the book bub. So it was very difficult for me to tell. Whereas this time I've got a, a free booksy running um, and that's the only thing that's running on Don't Tell Meg and the only thing that's running on the grid one. So those free booksies are going to run on Thursday the 27th. Uh, so that's next Thursday. And then the book bub on the grid one is going to follow on October the 10th. So again, they're slightly out of sync. I, I, I really would have rather had that free booksy again you know to run adjacent with I guess the the book bub so it's a little bit of a nuisance in timing I, I'm not going to cancel a free booksy because it leaves a hole in their schedule and they won't thank me for it so I am just going to run those and just see what happens I mean you know it's all sales isn't it uh, it's all promotion it's all sales and, and, and what then might happen is if I have the free booksy on the grid it's, it's all swings and roundabouts this isn't it we're, we're only taking best guesses the fact that I've got a free booksy before a book bub might mean that I'm higher in the charts, which therefore might mean that when the free when the book bub comes, it's easier for me to get much higher in the sci-fi charts because I've already had I've already got this kind of wind beneath my wings that free books has given me. So you know it's all swings and roundabouts. Should I do a free booksy before the book bub? Should I do it after? You know, blah 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 blah. Who knows? Um, let, let's just keep going at this stuff, and I'll I'll report back to you and, and let you know how it works. But it's all about book sales it's all about book sales and getting the the read through on on the grid that's what this is all about for me um as far as the free books we don't tell meg is concerned i know i get read through on don't tell meg so um you know i'm just pushing a bit more traffic at it to try and make some more sales okay um i did say i got lots of different things to tell you this week do you remember that i told you that i put the tender in um so the corporate work that i do is it's made up of all sorts of bits and pieces so i do I don't have a tender for corporate training sessions. I'm just commissioned and paid and I invoice for those. But I, I have, uh, I even I lose track of how many tenders I've got. Um, I, I got I've got three tenders in place and um, they are to, to just deliver training to to corporates on different uh, different schemes. They're differently funded schemes and, and I basically just invoice them. Uh, but the joy of this work is that if I wanted it to, it could be five days a week. Um, I, I just do it all the time and I'd invoice for the work. And the reason that I took the, the three-day-a-week work was because I was doing so much of that work uh, that I was invoicing for that I thought uh, my pattern, my weekly pattern, had become do three days of that work and then do two days of my writing work at, at the weekend. And, and that was enough for me. That was enough for me to do everything. 
and and I just sort of realised with the kids and changes at home and things like that, I just thought, you know what, it's it really kind of suits me because I was being asked to do it. It really suits me to do three days where I'm on a salary and it doesn't have the variability of the invoicing work. You know, it takes to do, I have to do the work, monitor the mileage, fill the paperwork in, submit the invoices. You know, that all takes a lot of time. And I just, because that's how my pattern had fallen, I thought, do you know what, I might as well just do this three days a week. I'm paid on salary. I don't have to do the invoicing. It just comes, you know, like a salary does straight into the bank account. That takes care of all the household bills and things. And then it leaves me my four days a week to get on with my writing. And that's kind of the decision I made. But I still have, um, you know that my wife sometimes works on a Saturday and I don't like writing because I write 5,000 words in a day and that's what suits my rhythm. It might not suit yours. You know, you've got to find your rhythm in all of this, but it suits mine. I know that I just, I like one or two writing days a week. I write 5,000 words and I can write four books a year writing at that pace. And I like, that's how I like to write. I like to have thinking time between the writing days. I wouldn't want to write 5,000 words a day. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm productive enough at the moment um, writing as I write. Now, if I ever crack this marketing thing, if I ever get so good at this that I know that when I write a book, you know, it, it becomes a real money spinner. If I, if I ever get like that, then I'll probably be writing five days a week and banging them out like, you know, like no, there's no tomorrow. But because the income that I, I create when I, when I make a book is not yet enough to live on, it's increasing, but it's not enough to live on. Um, mainly because I'm putting it all back into the business. Um, at least it's not running at a loss, you know, at least we're running at a profit. Um, but it's not enough to, to then draw a good living out of yet. It's just not enough. So um, until I master that, I need to have an income supplementing. Uh, so I, I submitted this tender, and this tender is potentially for four years worth of work, the contract. I don't need to retender for four years. And I got the tender. I got my contract in the post today. Um, so this is potentially four years of work that you can switch on or switch off or, you know, do, do smaller amounts of or, or larger amounts of. And this is a, a perfect solution for me um, as a writer because as my kind of writing income increases, hopefully, and we get closer to that situation, you know, whereby my writing can sustain me, I can, I can sort of do fewer hours. But if the writing, you know, goes belly up and, and, and I have some lean, really lean periods, then I can increase the hours. So um, I'm very happy to have been awarded that contract again. Uh, as I say, there is four four years worth of work there uh, potentially. I think we just they're just waiting to confirm that the contract, their bigger contract that comes behind it. Uh, but but I don't have to do any more tendering for four years, um, and 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 I'm able then to do corporate work on th- on three different projects through that tender, um, which is just fantastic. And if I wanted it to be, it could be full time work. Um, uh, you know, so it gives me choices. That's that's why that tender is so important to me. You know, because being a writer, it, it ebbs and flows. It comes in fits and starts. You know, unless you're very, very lucky, it doesn't bring that huge income in that then releases you from having to, to generate a second income. So I'm very happy to have got that tender renewal in. That's a really good result today. I was very happy to see I'd, I'd got that renewed. I just wanted to mention Tim Lewis. Uh, Tim Lewis has been on the show before. He's coming on again because I want to do a take two interview with him. I just want to congratulate Tim because Tim started his writing career in in uh, fiction, and I know he struggled. To, uh, he made sales with his fiction, but he struggled to make big sales with the fiction. And he's moved into nonfiction. He he do, he presents the Begin Self Publishing uh, podcast. And unlike me, because he talks to lots of people, he networks with people, he's learned best practice. And so Tim has been working on a new uh, 
non-fiction book, which is called Social Media Networking. And I was just seeing on Twitter today that he's got he's got one of those coveted number one slots. And, you know, by his own admission, Tim has an a inverted commas inverted comma here, gamed the system. He hasn't gamed, if you haven't gamed the system, you just know how the system works. And what he's done is he's put that book in a category that is, um, you know, allows him to get to a number one slot with with a reasonable amount of, of sales. And so that gives him a, it makes him a Amazon number one author for paid sales, which is brilliant. That's what I'm trying to do in fiction. Um, so I've booked him in. I said, I want to talk to you about that because I know, you know, I, I, I know the tricks that he's used. He's done it in nonfiction. I want him to talk us through it. Uh, but he's also done another clever thing with this book, another really clever thing with this book in that he's got interviews with lots of influential people. Now it's about 20 people he's interviewed. And of course, all of those people are part of his marketing campaign. And all of those people have been bigging up the book and retweeting it. And that's a very, very effective joint venturing strategy that Tim's used there. All right. So he said, oh, I've gamed the system. And, and yeah, yeah, maybe you have. But you wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have got to that number one slot if you hadn't deployed all these tricks. And they're ninja marketing tricks that they're kind of what I'm working on at the moment with my fiction. And I want to get Tim on to talk us through it because, you know, he's got that number one slot through his own efforts and through his own strategy. And, and so congratulations, Tim, on that. Um, that that um, because I'm kind of in, I'm in my kind of cycle of interviews. I kind of like to talk to Tim right now, but because I have to manage all this stuff and release interviews, you know, in the order that I record them and things like that, uh, that interview is going to be recorded uh, towards the end of uh, middle of October, I think, is, and it will go out on the twelfth of November, which sounds ridiculous, but that's just the way it has to go. But all the principles will be in there. Um, there are loads of great marketing principles in there. I just wanted to let you know that I've just broken 300 new subscribers this month um, via the four giveaways that I'm taking part in. So two giveaways on BookFunnel, two giveaways on InstaFreebie. Um, so that's 300 new subscribers. This is post GDPR. So I would have expected that to be maybe closer to a thousand um, uh, before GDPR, but it doesn't trouble me because I think 300 new subscribers is still, a, is, is, I'm very happy with that number. That's still great growth you know, for your subscribers. And the really important thing about these subscribers is that they didn't have to request my updates. They're, they're there entirely voluntarily. So I suspect the quality of those subscribers is going to be much higher than if I got a thousand people who frankly didn't want to be there. They just wanted the freebie. Um, so that's Insta Freebie and Book Funnel giveaways. That's plus 300 new subscribers if you're new to this. Took me a year using rubbishy old techniques to get my first 25 subscribers. You know, those those two portals, uh, InstaFreebie and um, the other one, BookFunnel, they work really well. They continue to work really well post-GDPR. So um, do jump on board. They're very good for building a list of subscribers. And those people are all people who, when you release a new book, hopefully will want to buy it. Talking of InstaFreebie, have you seen that they're doing a rebranding? Now, I don't use ConvertKit, but I do rem remember everybody talking about it. And ConvertKit were going to change their name to something absolutely bizarre and ridiculous. And everybody said, what on earth are you doing? You know, you have brand recognition. People love what you're doing. The brand is ConvertKit uh, because that's what we recognize. If you change it now, it just confuses the waters, muddies the waters. And, and it's a freebie have learned nothing from this exercise. And they are now going to rebrand. And they're going to rebrand to, brace yourself, prolific works. From Insta freebie to prolific works. Okay. Now, I, I thought 
I, I got a, I, I, it's very, it's quite unusual for me, but I did send an email to them and just kind of said, remember what happened to ConvertKit? You know, InstaFreeb is great. It says what it does on the tin. We all recognize it as a great brand. Prolific works, you know, really? Anyhow, I got a kind of, I got a, a thanks very much, we know better response from them, but I'm not the only one who's saying it. Um, everybody's saying why why are you doing this why you know why do people do this it's like you know wordpress is about to make a massive change and and you think you know it's not broken and was anybody asking for this was who, who did you send an email to instafreebie and say do you know what you know i love the service instafreebie but what you need is a different name something that doesn't describe what you do that's what you need was anybody sending them that email so i'd love to know you know where in the business some bright spark says we need to change our name because surely the whole point of branding, they've got they've got it. We all know what InstaFreebie is. You're branded, guys. If you now change that, you completely muddy the waters. And ConvertKit got that, and and fortunately they listened to to feedback. But I thought I've got to feedback to InstaFreebie because this is ridiculous. Just call it InstaFreebie. That you know that's the brand. You've got your brand. You've got amazing brand recognition. Don't change that. So anyhow, that's just me having a rant. But I just don't know what it is with these businesses. They can't stop tinkering with stuff that no one's asking them to tinker. It's not broke. You know, don't, there's nothing to fix. It's not broken. You've got the brand recognition. I'd love that brand recognition as an author. Um, we all know what InstaFreebie is, don't we? You know, and it says what it does on the tin. So anyhow, that's just me having a side rant. But uh, InstaFreebie is going to change its name. Hopefully they will see sense and it won't become called Prolific Works. It'll stay InstaFreebie. I, ho- I hope that's what will happen. Um, I'm doing loads of Chris Fox work at the moment, and um, I've, I finished the last book. I forget what the titles are, but they're, they're all. I've just got the main, all of the books. They're quite short, and I'm just working through them while I'm eating my porridge in the mornings. And um, I'm, re- I'm reading Right to Market. I'd listened to Right to Market as the audio book, and then I'm reading it now because there's so much in it. I've got to underline it. And one of the things um, that I was really pleased about in the the last book, which is, uh, was it Relaunch Your Book or whatever it's called? What is it? Relaunch Your Novel is, um, and I've just finished that, I've moved on to this one. What I was really pleased to see is that he has different forms of relaunch. And you can start from a very light makeover to a complete facelift which is you know rewriting the, the novel and everything and I was really pleased to see that he phases those because when I was reading it, I was thinking you know all my stuff needs is is a makeover in the first instance um there's nothing tragically wrong with any of my books you know like everybody I get people who don't like them and I get people who like them but by the the reviews I get more people who like them than don't like them and the problem certainly with my earlier books and and the standalone thrillers which I haven't really pushed because don't tell Meggie's what where I'm making the money at the moment. Um, th- there's no kind of core problems with the books. The problems are with the marketing, really. You know that that it's my my fault. I, I'm doing a terrible job of marketing them. It's almost got I've almost got too many books. I don't know what to do with them. I can't. You know I could almost do with a marketer to take care of that and just get on with writing the books. But I can't afford that because I'm not making enough money for the books. It's all chicken and egg, isn't it? Um, so. I was pleased to see that Chris Fox, really, I don't need anything more than a makeover in the first instance. And, the, you know, and then perhaps a facelift. But but 
when I was reading it, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. First of all, you'd do a makeover on this. You wouldn't. You'd only. You'd only tweak it. You. It would be crazy because what Chris Fox basically says, you know, if you're going to rewrite the book entirely, look at the time that it's going to take you and the money that you could potentially make back from that book. Um, and and is it worth it? He's saying, you know, you might as well. Should you just write a new book? It's going to cost you an edit. You know, all these things that cost you money. And he basically says, is it worth it, or should you just leave it there? So th- there's nothing. There's nothing at their core wrong with any of my books, you know, even the first ones that I wrote. Now, hopefully I'm a better writer than I was when I wrote those books, but there's, there's nothing essentially wrong with them. You know, they get people enthusing about the books. So to me, when I was reading it, I thought, you know, yeah, I don't need to make a huge facelift with these. Everything I need to do is just a tweak. So my, my strategy is going to be, I mean, it's really useful that I've got the grid in a book bub because that's going to force me to go through the grid with a fine tooth comb and make sure that everything is as right as it can be. I'm going to do the makeover, essentially. And when I've put it through the book bub, I look at my income and I look at the read through from that when you've got massive traffic over it. And then I'll decide whether I need to do more. So if it doesn't do very well in the book bub, then I have to look at my blurbs. Again, I'll have to ask, are the covers right? That's the next thing I'm going to do on the grid and the secret bunker is I'm going to review the covers and make them more genre specific. But I'm not I don't want to do that until I've put a significant amount of traffic over them in a book bub so I can make a you know a judgment because the simple truth is I just simply haven't had enough traffic over those books yet to make a judgment. Um, you know, I I've I, I've done some half assed marketing. Uh they've just flopped out. I've never really done much with them. And I simply don't know. Um you know, when you look at the reviews, and I have looked, gone through all the reviews now. I, I haven't even mentioned this to you, but I've done a. a, a I'll, I'll get to it because I want to share the spreadsheet with you when I when I'm ready to. Um, but I'll spread the spread, share the spreadsheet with you, showing you the reviews and, and what I've done with those. But I have gone through the reviews, and there's nothing, nothing bad in there. Um, you know, there's nothing by Chris Fox's review that would make me want to do a wholesale facelift of the books. Um, so I was quite reassured by that. I thought, mm, okay, makeover it is then. I you know that's something I could do without any major expense. So um, I highly recommend these books. Um, they're really, really cool. The principles are great in them. I'm reading Right to Market at the moment. I'm just going to go straight through the lot and then get to Brian Cowan's book. Um, and then after that, I need to concentrate on reading some more thriller. I've been buying lots of um, thriller fiction. I need to you know, get back in the thriller zone and, and read lots more uh, fiction. So um get the chris fox books he also has a brilliant youtube channel by the way i've put the link it's you know youtube channels have horrible links i'm surprised they haven't changed that um i can't give you the link because it's just a list of numbers and uh, letters but i will put the link to chris fox's youtube channel on the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com i had to think about what the podcast was called there um selfpublishingjourneys.com and uh, so you don't have to go hunting for it but it's an excellent youtube channel i highly recommend it to you even if you don't want to buy the books this week predominantly has been me going through my paperbacks. If you've got paperbacks in Create Space, um, now I saw, I saw, I think it was Lucy Branch um, mentioning this. So Lucy, if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll just give you the answer to this. Um, when I last time I logged in to Create Space, I was seeing people talking about how Create Space is now forcing you to move to the KDP dashboard. And I had not hadn't got this notification, and then one day I logged into Create Space, and it said you've got to move your books over. So I, I, I get the impression that we don't all get it at once, because I didn't. I was hearing of other people getting this message before I got it, and then it popped up in mine, and I just transferred them all over at once with just one click of a button. It just migrated everything from Create Space to KDP Select. And what I've been doing this week is completely reviewing my paperbacks. So I um when they when it moves books over. 
uh, from CreateSpace, sometimes it doesn't link them automatically to your your ebook version. So you have to manually link them. And then sometimes there are kind of issues around the ISBNs and things like that. But I say, fortunately, I've now got uh, all my books over and all of my books linked. So every ebook I've got links to a paperback now. And I was just going through those, checking the files, sometimes updating the files. Um, I had to do a little bit of work um, on, and I'll t- tell you about this in a minute, on the cover for Don't Tell Meg, because I think the thickness was different since I gave it to Stuart Bache. I, I was just doing a little bit of a makeover to make sure that they all aligned nicely. I'll tell you how I did that in a moment or two. Um, so this week has been about going through paperbacks. I also went back to Ingram Spark because I wanted my secret bunkers to be available through Ingram Spark. Um, I had originally listed the grid and the secret bunker in Ingram Spark, then I'd taken them off. And now I kind of know what I know. And I'm, I, I'd, when I first listed on Ingram Spark, I saw that publishers like to have 55% discounts and they like kind of sale or return. And I'd bulk at that. So I, I had the books listed and taken them off in, in bulchiness. And now I know more about it. My my view is that you don't sell many books through Ingram Spark. You're not going to lose the shirt off your back. You know, you're not, nobody's going to order a hundred books and then you find that you've got to pay for them. It doesn't, doesn't work like that. Uh, I, I, and I've learned that by attending networking sessions, you know, hearing booksellers talk and, and things like that. So I've decided that I want those books, all my books that have professional covers on, I want to be available through Ingram Spark. So, um, and the other thing about the Don't Tell Meg books is I'd, I'd like to try and get those books in at a local Waterstone. So I'm listed as a local author because they've got classy covers on now. So this has been my strategy with this. It's one of those things that I'm not like, you, you know, it can take as long as it takes. It's one of these jobs I call a chugging job. Um, so uh, I have sort of finally finished it off this week. So I now have um, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy in Ingram Spark, the Grid trilogy in Ingram Spark, and the Secret Bunker trilogy in Ingram Spark. And I'm just trying to work through some cover issues around Burden of Guilt. I quite like Burden of Guilt to be available in Ingram Spark because um, it, it, it uses a lot of Scottish Highlands ve- venues and locations. And I'd like to have a little push, uh, a second push. I had a half-assed push at doing it, but I'd like to try and get it in the tourist information board and things. But I, I, I think I'll probably, before I do that, I think I'll probably put a proper Stuart Bache cover on it before I do that. And I don't know whether the cover's sort of high enough quality for me to do that. So that's in the pending pile, Burden of Guilt. But I would like to quite push that and get that out to sort of some Highlands outlets if I can, because it's not, it's a nice little tourism novel, to be honest with you. I, I intentionally wrote it that way. Um, so that's in the pending pile, but the others are done. Now, um, because I had to do some adjustments on my covers for those books, I got creative and I found out that you can put your, that Canva, free Canva is really good for doing this. You can put your cover size into Canva and basically um, load your cover and then make adjustments in Canva. Now I've made a video on this showing how I do it. When I was doing it the other day, I thought, oh, this is something I need to put in Patreon. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, it's not there at the moment because I, you know, when I make these videos, I can't release them all at once or you'd be overwhelmed. So it's in the queue on Patreon. It'll be in the next you know week or two. But I've made a video showing the work that I was doing on my covers to adapt covers that Stuart Bache had given me and to to just do the tweakies to make sure that they look beautiful in both Create Space and Ingram Spark. Um, and what I discovered in, in Canva is that you can download high quality PDF files, which are what you need 
as the PDF covers in Ingram Spark and Create Space. So I learned a little trick there that I, I, I put two and two together. Um, and, and often, and certainly Create Space did it. I don't know whether the new interface does, but when you know what your cover size is and your spine size, you can create a, a blank canvas in, in Canva with that. And it's very easy using the techniques I show in this video to just adjust that and get that absolutely perfect so the spines are beautiful. And that's what I was trying to do. The spines weren't quite right. I think I'd changed the page count or something since I did the order with Stuart. It wasn't quite right and I just needed to adjust that. And, and fortunately, in Canva, you could kind of do it without incurring a new bill, which was very nice. So again, if you're a Patreon supporter, watch out for that video. It'll be appearing, I can't remember what it is, I've got lots of videos stacked, but it'll be appearing in a, in a week or so's time. And I'll show you my screen and how I managed to do that. And rather frustratingly, particularly as I need these blooming books listed for Thursday when my free booksy promos are, I'm still waiting for Google Play to publish my books in Publish Drive. Now, I want to reiterate, because I'm a big fan of Publish Drive, I like them a lot, and um, it, this is not Publish Drive's fault. They do their bit really quickly. They have their, they do their reviews of the files within 24 hours, and then they sort of squirt them to all the other channels. So it's the other channels where the delay is, not Publish Drive. I, I know I keep saying that, but I, I just want you to understand there's nothing wrong with Publish Drive. The problem is at Google Play's end. And I mean, they've been there for at least a week. And I'm just thinking, you know, I need these by Thursday, guys. I got a promo coming up. So I am getting a little bit agitated by that. Um, worst case scenario is that I will republish them because when you actually publish on Google Play, it goes live pretty well straight away. And if I have to, if they're not there by Wednesday, I'll have to quickly delist them on Publish Drive, quickly relist them on Google Play, send free books the different link and... Yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, <laughs> please, you know, please just get these books listed. Anyway, that's a little complication. Hopefully I'll solve that by the end of the week. But that is, it does take a long time for Google Play to, to publish them. I did a, an interview this week. This is going to be the first interview. So we return to weekly interviews on the 1st of October. Um, I, the, the, the jury's still out because I haven't been doing weekly interviews. It's been really good for marketing time and I'm going to have to make a judgment about whether I continue weekly interviews or whether I go to once a month as I have been over summer. But I'm, I'm sort of committed up till Christmas. You'll be getting weekly interviews up till Christmas uh, because I need to see, you know, whether it's just me getting back into the flow again or actually whether these are taking so much time I'm not getting the marketing done. But you're certainly going to get um, author interviews up till Christmas. And besides, there are a lot of people that I've said to, I want to do an interview with you and I want to sort of make sure I work through them and, and, and catch up with a lot of people. And one of those people is Claire Sager, who um, is having a take two interview. Claire will be the first interview that runs on the 1st of October. And the sort of catch line after talking to Claire is how to make over $180 from your first book launch, spending only 63 pence on ads. That's a good title, isn't it? I said to Claire, you need to make a book, you need to write a non-fiction book on that title. How to make over $180 from your first book launch, spending only 63 pence on ads. I bet that would be attractive to you. If you're listening to this and you haven't launched a book yet, I bet you're thinking, I want to know how to do that. So um, that's going to be the 1st of October episode. And uh, also, by the way, because I'm pushing everybody to Patreon at the moment, um, I've recorded, I'm recording extras with my guests at the moment. So all the guests who are coming on, we do the bit that you get on the podcast feed, and then we're doing sort of five minutes extra, and those will start to appear in Patreon from the 1st of October. They're all queued up and ready to go for the 1st of October. So basically, at the time that the podcast is released, at exactly the same time, simultaneously in Patreon, you'll be getting sort of extra stuff 
that I recorded after the main interview. So if you want to uh, take a look at Patreon, uh, it's patreon.com slash Paul Teague. Patreon.com slash Paul Teague if you want to support this podcast on Patreon. The big uh, job that I was doing last week, blimey, this is a long one. Uh, um, you know, I said right at the beginning, didn't I? It's amazing how much I'm up to for somebody who's not writing books at the moment. But this is all geared to marketing. Uh, I did say that's what I was going to do over summer. So um, I spent a lot of time, more time than I would have liked to, creating how many was it? 121 plus. Let me just have a look how many adverts I created. 121. So about 130 um, promos for Twitter use. And I've loaded these in a service called Social Jukebox. So I've gone back through every single interview that I've done on the podcast because that's evergreen content. Just because I recorded it two years ago doesn't mean that an author's story isn't as relevant now. So one of the marketing jobs that I wanted to do to make the podcast pay to drive more web traffic to it was to take all those lovely interviews I've got, this wonderful back catalogue of interviews I've generated over the last two and a half years, and to start to promote them again. You know, not, not to let them be buried there, but to promote them. So I've gone through every single author, they've all got a graphic, and I've created two versions of promos to them. So that's given me 121 promos for self-publishing journeys, which is basically 120 guests plus a promo to the the the, the page where I've got all my diaries listed now um, because you need to wheel out your content. Podcast episodes are just like a book. They don't generally go stale, certainly not in the author industry, and so you need to keep promoting them. So I've stacked up 121 versions of these adverts in social jukebox so one version doesn't have the author mentions on them only because while I'm getting the timing of these right and and I've been fouling up the timing they've been releasing them too often I just need to get the timing right so it feels nice on on Twitter so apologies if you're on Twitter and you're getting a few too many of these promos that's just Paul trying to figure out the software and get the the sort of release dates correct when when I've got that correct I I duplicated those tweets and also had versions where I at mention the author because if I at mention the author the author will share it again and then I get to to get their audience to my podcast this is this is what this is all about it's always the same principles you know we're trying to drive traffic now I also did the same with the crypto news podcast I know this is less interest to you but the crypto news podcast also needs to earn its keep so uh, that's had the same makeover in the background that this podcast has had where I've I've monetized it I put affiliate links on there that I can earn money from but also I've taken all the interview episodes out of the boot camp episodes and I've also got automated promos to those because that's how I'm going to get new audience um, using those particular episodes um, so I'm, I say I'm using social jukebox for that and I'm paying for it up till Christmas just to judge how that works but um, it, this is all about you know the podcast the um, uh, the, the sort of self-publishing talks that I do um, which are fairly intermittent you know the Amazon stuff or the Society of Authors stuff that I've done um, those things and the books, obviously, all part of my author uh, business, and they all need to earn money. Um, otherwise, they're just expensive hobbies. A, a couple of things I just want to recommend to you. Uh, an excellent article in, well, it was on Twitter. And the uh, the Twitter handle is at thisiswritermom, spelled in the USA way. And it was basically a brilliant a book launch article by This Is Writer Mom. Now, I'll put the link to it in the show notes this week, but I highly recommend that you you uh, read it. I've, I've got quite a lot of interviews coming up with people who are new to launching, you know, people who are um, 
who know more than I did when I first started launching my first books, and they're doing a much better job of it than I did. But I'm, I'm sharing quite a lot of those because I know that's where a lot of you are. You're, you know, you've got the first book or maybe the second book and you're struggling to get the sales on it. So I'm doing quite a lot of interviews where we're digging into that about what you could do on a low budget to get those books selling. And uh, that's an excellent article. So please read that. It's on the show notes this week at selfpublishingjourneys.com. And also um, something that I spotted this week, and I'll put the links on the show notes again, but it's a new book promo site called storyoriginapp.com, storyoriginapp.com. And I read about it in uh, novelmarketing.com, which is a very good little blog. It integrates with MailerLite and and presumably also um, MailChimp. I should have checked that. I didn't check it, but it it integrates with all the key things. I'm sure it will. And... um, and I'm just—I was just really interested in it. I haven't tried it yet, but it is a new book promo site, so it you know could run alongside Insta Freebie. It could run along Book Funnel. So that is on my radar. I haven't listed yet, but uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm probably going to give it a try at some point and take part in a giveaway. Um, one of the things I was um, thinking the other day was—I uh, can't remember what made me think this—and I thought. You you listen to this. You know it's usually me trying to pass on my tips to you, but you you probably listen to this and you know you probably sense better than I do things that that frustrate you. So I find it very, I find it very easy when I'm talking to other authors to see what they should do. Um, yeah, I, I probably I can't see what I should do a lot of the time. You know I think it's easier to see what other people should do than it is to see what you should do. So when I look at Insta Freebie and I look at their rebranding, I think what on earth are you thinking of, guys? Um, yet somebody might say something to me about my branding and I say, you know, do yeah, I completely missed that. So often it's easier to see what other people need to do than it is to see what you need to do. And I just thought I'd just put this out there um, and, and just see what kind of response it gets. But while you're listening to these diaries, and thank you very much for doing that, you know, what I'd like to know what you're shouting at, at, at your phone or your computer in terms of, you know, come on, Paul, you need to do this. Or, you know, why are you thinking that? Um, because it's a lot. It's probably a lot easier for you to give me advice than it is for me to see what I need to do. And I just thought, if you if you do that, if you're screaming something at the podcast, say, "Paul, you need to do this," or you know, "You stupid man, do this." If there's um, a bit of advice that listening to these podcasts you would give me, can you just send it to me at paul at paultig.com? I'm just interested to see whether that sort of brings any any feedback. Um, you know, what advice would you give me? listening to these podcasts what am I missing so if you've got anything to add to that and I don't I don't care where you are on your author career because everybody can throw something in the pot you know everybody comes to the party with a different bottle so feel free you know to chip in I don't I'm not saying I'm going to listen to it but I'm really interested to hear what it is so paul at paulteague.com if you've got sort of advice to me listening to these podcasts, what would you advise me to do to change things or to improve things or to change my mindset? Or, you know, what do I need to know that maybe I'm not realising at the moment? I just thought that'd be an interesting exercise. Um, Tim Lewis, who I've mentioned already. Have I mentioned that Tim's got a new book out this week? Tim always tweets me uh, on very lovely walks. He's you know, uh, put this on the resources page. Um, he's out in the forest again walking. And one of the things I commented to Tim is that it looks very green where he's walking still. And where I am in Cumbria, it's definitely autumnal. Um, our front door collects the leaves. There's a pile of leaves about 
how high is it? Probably about six, seven inches high at our front door. They all whisk round the porch and just sort of gather in there. Uh, and this is how I can tell uh, that autumn's on its way. But where Tim is, it looked really green still there. So I think maybe we're into an early autumn in, in Cumbria. That's it for this week. I did say it was going to be a long one. I think I'll just squeeze it in under an hour. Sorry, it is a long one. Uh, just a reminder that guest interviews resume with Claire Sager on Monday the 1st of October. I will have another podcast diary for you next week. I'll have, um, I'll be a day or two into a couple of free booksy promos next week. So I'll let you know how those go, whether I solve my problem, get those books listed on Google Play. No writing again, not writing till October. So it's all going to be about the marketing. I hope you're finding these episodes informative and interesting. And I do hope you'll consider joining me over at patreon.com forward slash Paul Teague. I'm putting loads of stuff in there now that will be useful to you, stuff where I need to show you rather than tell you, which is in complete contrast to what we do when we're writing fiction, of course. Okay, that's it from me. I'll have another update for you next Saturday. Hope you have a great week of writing, editing, marketing, whatever it is you're doing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing. Well, you thought this week's diary was over, and so did I. But just as I finished recording, I received an email. And I just want to mention this because I'll forget to say it next week. Uh, the gentleman who is doing the musical recording around the secret bunker has just emailed me. And I'll just tell you where he's up to with it. He says, I'm going up to the bunker sometime over the next few weeks to do some field recording, capture the sounds and the atmosphere and the ambience of the place to use in recordings for the secret bunker project. Now, his uh, son's friend is studying drama in Glasgow. So they're hoping to get kind of a team of students together to do the dramatic reenactment of this. And uh, they'll do some on-the-scene recording. Now, where this gentleman who's doing the musical project lives, and I have to, I'll have to get his permission to talk about this, you know, with his name, um, so that I can just keep you updated on this. But um, he, he lives near the Edinburgh area. There's another bunker opening there. So I think that because that's closer to him, he's probably going to do a lot of the recording in there just to get the ambience. But he, he tells me I've been recording various electronic analog synthy soundscapes. I've got about uh, two and a half hours worth of radiophonic workshop style sounds so far. And I'll mix a lot of them together and then add real sounds from the bunker and sound effects and other bits and bobs. And then, you know, it's all it's all going to go into the mix. So. It's a very exciting project. Uh, my my view of this has been, I you know I don't care. Just get on with it because I, I think it's really exciting. And I know people who are into rights management and things like this will get really um, excited about that. But my my view is is that you know this is really exciting that somebody's doing this. Um, you know this is what this chap does for a living. He knows his stuff. He loves his sci-fi, which is why he's gone for um, the secret bunker. He and I have been sharing memories over the kind of stuff we used to watch in the seventies. So this is just something that I want to happen. And my view is, it, it, you know, how can it possibly um, do me any harm? It can only get my book into more hands than it, than it would have done. So, um, I, you know, and obviously the bunker will be supporting this if he's recording too. So to me, it's a win-win-win situation all round. So I'll keep you up to date with that. But that email just dropped that it's very, very exciting. I'm going to have to go out and meet him sometime and maybe even get him onto the podcast to discuss, uh, you know, what he's got planned and maybe, uh, you know, play in a few inserts and things like that. It'd be great fun. But, um, yeah, just a little bit of extra news, a little bit of breaking news at the end of the diary. That is genuinely it now. There are no more extra bits being added. I'm done. I even have a cup of tea with me now. So I'm going to drink my tea and get this edited. Speak to you next week. Bye-bye now. <laughs>